Hello, I'm Father Jeffrey Kirby, pastor of Our Lady Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina, a trained moral theologian, and the author of the recent book, Real Religion, How to Avoid False Faith and Worship God in Spirit and Truth. I'd like to just speak about a few of the topics drawn from that book. So, first of all, oftentimes people will come and say, Hey, Father, do you know what? Do you know what we should do? Do you know what worship can be? We should have a lot of like loud music and we should really kind of like have more activity and we should have, you know, things that kind of like really like get things going because that'll make a lot of people come to worship. And oftentimes they'll describe all these things that we can do. But what is oddly missing in this list of descriptions is any reference to God. So how can these various measures or suggestions help us to fully encounter God and to worship God? Oftentimes, these suggestions are merely about our emotional satisfaction or how we can get something more out of it or how it can be more engaging for us. But my argument in the book is that we, in doing that, miss the true point of worship. You see, in our world today, we've convinced ourselves that we are the standard of all things. Something is only good or bad according to what I think, or more importantly, we think how we feel, right? So if this makes me feel good, then it's good. If it makes me feel bad, then it's bad. And that's how we even approach the worship of God. So you can see the level of narcissism that we have allowed ourselves to come to, this type of egoism that has no checks or balance. I am the standard of all things. Therefore, even the worship of God must revolve around me, not God. Of course, this is extremely wayward. But it's really the gas we breathe. It's this nihilism born from this type of relativism. Relativism saying that everything is relative according to me, my perception, my sense of right and wrong. And of course, that breeds a certain utilitarianism. It also allows sentiment, my sentiment, to dominate, to take over everything. Again, I want to stress, like, even the worship of God, the time in which we are to be the most humble and the most docile we can convince ourselves that even that is supposed to revolve around us and supposed to somehow fulfill our sentiment. Oftentimes I realize that a lot of times, young parents in particular, what they really want is, regrettably, not true worship of God, but what they want is something to add to what I call the happy child list. So the happy child list, the child gets to meet Santa Claus, the child goes to Disneyland, and the child has their first Holy Communion. So even this, in the tender age in which the faith is supposed to be passed on, we see that worship is replaced by sentiment. The idea that, well, no, I want my child to have a happy childhood. So it doesn't really matter if they encounter the Lord, or if they know what a sacrament is, or that they receive the body and blood of Christ. None of that really matters as much as, well, they have to just have a happy child. I have childhood. I just have to make sure that this is part of the list. Again, this helps us uh, to completely neglect what true worship is. It leads us astray. Because, dear friends, God is real. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, its first line tells us, God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself. Infinitely perfect. <laughs> that means he doesn't need us to fix him or update him or give him a reboot. And he's perfect in himself. That means when we worship God, we are worshiping the true and living God, the one who is infinitely perfect and blessed in himself. 
Not only is God real, but God has even instructed us on how we are to worship him because we're fallen and we don't worship him as we are called to. Again, in fact, we can oftentimes allow sentiment to get in the way and we can even delude ourselves and find ourselves actually worshiping ourselves, thinking we're somehow worshiping God, but God simply becomes this projection of what we think he should be. And again, we end up worshiping simply our own selves. To help us with this, God has told us exactly how we are to worship him. And from that call and that instruction, we receive a duty, a responsibility, an obligation. I know these are bad words in our world today. But we receive this duty in order to both acknowledge God as God and to truly worship him. Now this duty historically has been identified as a virtue. We speak of the virtue of religion. It falls within the virtue of justice. Justice is giving someone else their, their due. Religion is acknowledging God and giving him his due, giving God his due. The virtue of religion. Again, a virtue is a good habit. It's something that is very good for ourselves, for our human nature. We do it repetitively, and this habit is formed. This good habit is called a virtue. Virtue in the Christian tradition, in our spiritual tradition, we realize becomes a second nature. So our fallen nature is healed by the working of grace, and by virtue we take on a type of second nature. Among the virtues we are called to have as people of goodwill, and specifically as Christian believers, is the very important virtue of religion. Now, drawing from the sacred scriptures and from our sacred tradition, and the intellectual tradition that flows from these sources of revelation, we can say that there are five marks of true religion, of the virtue of religion. And I want to just highlight each one of these because each one is power-packed and essential if we want to both acknowledge the reality of God, that God is God, beyond my wants, my feelings, and if we want to truly worship God as he has instructed us. And so I want to just discuss briefly these five points. The first point is that religion is a natural virtue. By natural virtue, it means that every human person has this virtue. Whether they believe in God, they say they don't believe in God, whether they're Christian, Jewish, Buddhist, whatever. Every person who has a human nature, so all human beings, have this virtue of religion. Religion is a natural virtue that acknowledges God as God, worthy to be worshipped and obeyed. Now that is acknowledging that God is outside of ourselves, outside of my preferences, my desires, what I think he should be. God is God, independent of my own thoughts or, again, my sentiments. So the first point of the virtue of religion is that it acknowledges God as God and it says that he is worthy to be worshipped and obeyed. That's the first point. Second point is that religion is a humble recognition that we are bound to God. In fact, the very word religion comes from a Latin word which means to bind oneself. So we, in the virtue of religion, acknowledge that we are bound to God. I don't have an option. We treat religion in the West today as if it's an option, a hobby. Hey, if it works for you, if it helps you make makes you feel good, if it makes you a better person, hey, whatever floats your boat, right? 
But that's not an accurate understanding of the virtue of religion. Religion, again, is a natural virtue. It means it's part of our human nature. If you want to be good human beings, you have to exercise this natural virtue. And the second point of that is that virtue is that humble recognition that we are bound to God. We can't get away from him. We are bound to him. The third point of true religion is that religion is the acknowledgement of our debt to God. Now, that's an important word. We have a debt to God. Now, the virtue of religion also teaches us that we have a debt to God, but it's a debt that can never be repaid. And because we have a debt that cannot be repaid, therefore we are bound to constantly honor God by acts of homage. This is very popular, especially in ancient wisdom among the Greeks and Romans, and specifically within the Christian tradition, that there are certain recipients, certain things that we receive from others, that we are the recipients of other, from others, that we cannot repay. The traditional list is we can never repay our parents for the gift of life. We can never repay our country for our identity, our citizenship in that country. And we can never repay to God what we have received. And the acknowledgement of that debt to God and the desire to constantly show him homage, which is a way in which we acknowledge the debt, that is a part of the virtue of religion. The fourth point of the virtue of religion is that religion compels us to gratitude. (laughs) That's a rare virtue. The saints tell us that gratitude is the rarest flower in the garden of virtue. But religion compels us to gratitude. And it convicts us to obey God's moral law and to follow him in our daily lives. If we acknowledge that we have a debt to God (laughs) and we're trying to pay that debt back, which we know we cannot do, but we have to do this in order to acknowledge that debt, to show, again, this gratitude. You see how these various points flow together? That we have this gratitude, and that gratitude is displayed specifically in obedience. That the God who has created us, who has blessed us, has shown us how we are to live, and our gratitude, born from this debt, is displayed by our obedience. And the fifth and final point of the virtue of religion, is that religion shows us our connection and our obligation to other believers, both living and dead. That means I have an obligation to provide the works of mercy to my neighbor. I have the obligation to pray and to ask for the prayers of my neighbor. (laughs) I should also add in this as we have the obligation to receive the works of mercy from our neighbors. We are connected with one another with a bond that cannot be broken. Not even death can break it. Which is why we also have an obligation even to the dead. The virtue of religion teaches us this. Which means we pray for our beloved dead. We remember them. We honor their memory. We do not speak ill of the dead. And these are all born from the very powerful virtue of religion. So dear friends, what I've given today is just a brief summary of what religion is not. It is not sentimentalism. It is not utilitarianism. Religion is not all about us. I have attempted to give you, in a brief fashion, the five essential points, the marks, of true religion and that powerful virtue of religion. I pray that these have helped you to get that gas out of our souls in order to breathe the fresh air of the sons and daughters of God. 
to acknowledge that God is God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, and to desire in our own hearts to honor and revere him, to worship him in spirit and truth. God bless you.